Take your Bibles this morning and turn to 1 John chapter 1. Uh, as you're turning there, thank you, Brother Andy, choir, vocal praise, all those who sang this morning. You have lifted us and have led us to the throne of God. And that's exactly the purpose of worship, is to get to the throne. And I know you, uh, I speak on behalf of all of you this morning. Thank you so much uh, for our worship today. 1 John chapter Number one, we close out a series this morning that we started just two weeks ago called uh, Nothing But the Blood. Nothing But the Blood. Two weeks ago, we talked about the pathway of faith, that there is no faith apart from the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Last week, we talked about the price of forgiveness, that there is no forgiveness of sin apart from the blood of Jesus Christ. This morning, I want us to talk about the power of fellowship. There is no fellowship with God apart from the shedding blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 1, and I want to back up to verse number 5. I had initially started and wanted to start in verse 8, but I really want to back up to verse number 5. The Bible says, This is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His Word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And He Himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Father, I ask this morning, Lord, as we have read uh, your, your Word to us. I pray, God, you would speak, and I pray we'd listen, and I pray we would respond in obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody has said, well, my mission in life is just to walk through life and try to do the best that I can, try to be the best that I possibly can, try to do the most good that I possibly can. There may be some bumps down the road, and I may fail as I walk down the road, but my mission in life is just to do the best that I possibly can. Now, if I said that, and I said, how many of you would agree with that? A lot of you would probably say, yeah, I think that's a good uh, goal in life. That's a good strategy in life. So you go and you talk to some military soldiers. Many of you have served on on foreign souls, you have served our country, you have served faithfully, and say if we, this is your, your commander standing in front of you, your mission in life is just to go out there and to serve and try not to get hit. Do the best that you can. You would say that would be totally absurd. Your mission is to go out and to be as faithful as you possibly can. In the same way in the Christian life, our mission is not to go out and try to be the best that we possibly can and to not fall or to avoid the bumps, and if they come, that's okay. Our mission in life is to be just like Jesus Christ. The Bible says in chapter 2, verse 1, My little children, these things I write to you so that you will not sin. 
The goal of a Christian is not just to be good and to just have those temptations or those, avoid, those, those things that we try to avoid. The goal in the Christian life is holiness. It's perfection. Now in the same breath, I understand the rest of chapter 2, verse 1. And if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. But what I want you to be thinking about this morning is the power of fellowship. Our goal, our mission, our strategy is to be like Jesus. So let's talk about that here this morning. Verse, go back up to verse number 5. The Bible says this is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. So there's a comparison there that God is light, which is an absence of darkness, and, and in, in God there is no darkness at all. Those that are outside of fellowship or outside of a relationship with God, they're in darkness. You see the comparison there. And then he gets down to verse number 6, and the Bible says, if we say that we have fellowship with Him, if we say that we have fellowship with God, with Christ, and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. Now one thing I want you to understand is the context of 1 John. John is writing to believers. He's not writing to lost people. He's not saying that if you are walking in darkness, you lie and you don't have the truth, you don't have that fellowship or that relationship with Christ. He's writing to Christians. And he's warning them to be careful in your walk with Christ. In fact, the whole purpose, the context of 1 John is that God is love, God is, is light, God is life, and that we are to walk in that. And John is warning, and the first warning is in verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with Him, if you say, not that you have a relationship with God, but you have much more than that, you are in fellowship with the Father, you are walking the Christian journey, if you say you have fellowship with God, and you walk in darkness, in other words, you walk in sin... You lie and you do not practice the truth. So let's start off first with this. I want to show you the spreading nature of sin. Sin has a way of spreading. The spreading nature of sin. Here's the first one. We read that in verse 6. Is that we lie to others. Christians that walk in darkness and that are out of fellowship with Christ... The first thing that happens is that you lie to other people. You lie to others. Verse 6 says, If we say we have fellowship with Him, yet we're walking in darkness, we walk in sin, we lie, and we do not practice the truth. This is the understanding where we want all the people that are around us to think that we're more spiritual than we actually are. We are living a lie. Nobody knows that except we ourselves. So we're lying to other people. We are saying that we have fellowship with God, yet we're living in sin. John is encouraging and he's warning these Christians, if you say that you are a believer and that Jesus Christ has saved your soul and you are in fellowship with God, yet you're walking in darkness, you are lying to other people. But not only that, not only do you lie to other people, but you lie to yourself. Verse 8 says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We lie to 
ourselves. Verse 8, and I want you to understand this, it is possible for a believer to live in sin, yet convince himself that everything is okay in his relationship with the Lord. I want you to catch that. It is possible for a believer to be in sin and yet convince himself that everything's okay. Brother John, illustrate that for me. I will. I don't know if you've ever heard anything like this. Say you have a person who wants to live in life. And his goal in life is just to be good. <laughs> there might be some bumps down the road, but his, his job is just to kind of be good and, 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 and do the best that he can. And not recognize that there's sin in his life. What is he doing? Now, he's not only lying to other people, he's lying to himself. Because he realizes that sin is spreading in his heart. And it's possible for a believer to live in sin, yet convince himself that everything is fine in his relationship with the Lord. But the third one is this, and this is, this is uh, it gets even worse. Remember, it spreads. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. Not only do we lie to other people, we lie to ourselves, but we lie to God. If we say that there's no sin in our life, everything's good, everything's fine, I'm okay, I don't need anything, everything's good, we lie to God. Because God said what? All have sinned. There's none righteous, no, not one. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs that, that, that we are to not cover up our sin. That everybody has sinned. You heard a message on that last Sunday. But if we in our life are saying, no, everything's good. Everything's just kind of uh, great in life. We are lying to God and we make Him a liar. That's the spreading nature of sin. But I want you to go back. It's already up here on the screen because I missed the, the second part of all of those. And I did that on purpose. So going back to verse number 6, where it says we lie to other people, the Bible says that in verse 6, that if we say we have fellowship with Him, we walk in darkness, we lie, and we, and we do not practice the truth. When we lie to other people, we stop doing the, stop doing the truth. When, when sin begins to spread in our life, let me, kinda, let, me, let me paint it out. When sin spreads in our life, here's what happens. Number one, prayer becomes dull. Bible reading becomes non-existent. That's the truth. The truth of the Word of God it is, it, it, is, it is fading. In fact, the Bible says you don't practice the truth. It begins to just fade away. We stop doing what the truth is. As a result of living a fake life, the truth is not there. So anything that is truthful, prayer, Bible reading, witnessing, we stop doing it. But then it goes a step further when we lie to ourselves in verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. It doesn't mean that, that, that you're not... That you're not saying. This is not talking about that, that you lose something that was already there. It just means the truth of the Word of God is not inside your heart. And when the truth of the Word of God is not inside your heart, guess what you will do? You will sin. Psalm 119, 105. We're going to cover it a couple Sunday nights from now. 
Thy word have I hidden my heart that I may not what? Sin against God. If you want to stop sinning, put the word of God in your heart. And if you want to continue to sin, take the word of God out of your heart. Because the Bible says when you begin to lie to others that you stop doing the truth. And the truth is no longer there. The role... Of, of, of lying to ourselves, it becomes a way of life. We begin to lose character because the truth is not there. But then it goes a step further in verse 10. The Bible says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Not only the truth not in us, but his word is not in us. We've turned the truth into lies. Have you ever known anybody who was brought up in church, believed the word of God, Maybe even taught the Word of God. And today they don't even believe it. Oh, I do. You come in contact with people that were raised in church. They believe the Word of God. They studied it. They taught it. They shared it. This is God's infallible Word. This is, this is the Word of God. And today they say, I don't know, that's just a bunch of baloney. You know why? Has God's Word changed? No. What's changed? Change is in their heart. It was, it was a, 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 a lifestyle of sin, and sin has spread where they, they, were, they, were, they were playing the hypocrite to others because of what was not right in their heart, and they begin to lie to themselves, and then they lied to God, and the things that God has said, now they're believing it's a complete lie. And when you begin to lie to God, and you ignore and disbelieve what God's Word has said, what happens in your heart is, a, is, is born a critical spirit. When you don't believe God's Word and you lie to God, the Bible says you make Him a liar and the Word is not in Him, you become critical of other Christians that believe God's Word. As I was studying this, this week, I, I've seen this in ministry, and you have as well. You, 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 you go to see somebody that hasn't been in church in a long time. And you ask them, we'd love for you to come to church, man. We praise God. We, we pray together. We, we study God's Word together. And, and, and we, we try to do everything God is doing. We're not perfect. But we're trophies of grace that God is working out. Well, I don't want to go there. How come? Well, so-and-so offended me. Do what? Yeah, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back because something happened there. And what has happened is, is that we turn our worship into anybody. I'm going to come to worship when everything is good. Instead of coming to worship, not for anybody, but for somebody whose name is Jesus, who died on the cross and took the nails and the spear in His side and died for you and saved you from a pit of hell, nothing ought to keep a Christian out of the house of God. Nothing. Yet all across America today, people are standing at home because they've been offended in the house of God. And they say, I can't go back there anymore. And what happens is sin begins to spread. And what, 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 what started out as being something that is so small, it begins to spread like cancer. And next thing you know, you've been out of church for 10 and 15 years and you don't even believe the Bible that you once sat under and listened to. 
It's that critical nature that you that you are lying to yourself. You're lying to others, and you are you are you are lying to God. Listen to me, folks. Church is not a perfect place. In fact, the Bible says in Psalm one nineteen as well. This is one Psalm one nineteen verse one sixty five, which means it'll be several weeks before we get to this passage on Sunday night. Great peace. Have they which love thy law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Guess what the word stumble means? And nothing causes them to be offended. We get offended all over the world, yet it doesn't bother us. You get offended by going to the bank, and you still go there. You probably got offended going to a ball game. Somebody said something to you, guess what? You're going to go back, but don't let anybody say anything to you in church. Because you'll never step foot in the door again. What's our goal in life? Our goal in life is to have the power of the fellowship of Almighty God and nothing in this world will hinder us from that. Those who have a spirit of being critical and refusing to come to the house of God because something that has happened, you have fallen right into the trap of Satan. And he's got you right where he wants you. Darkness. We lie to others. We lie to ourselves. And we lie to God. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 says, For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? We come to the house of God because our souls are dark, been saved by the grace of God. We have accepted the light of Jesus Christ. Not only have we accepted the light, but Jesus says, You are the light of the world. Go out and make a difference in the world. But there's a spreading nature of sin. But let me show you a second one. And this is where it gets good. This is where John begins to, to, to draw them in. And this is where he, he, remember, he's warning this church, hey, don't go out there and live a lifestyle of, 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 a, of a hypocrite, of being a liar. Instead, he says, let's show you the number two. This is the sacrificial nature of the cross. Not only the spreading nature of sin, but the sacrificial nature of the cross. Look at verse 2. I mean, verse 1 of chapter 2. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. That's our goal in life. And if anyone sins, which is going to happen because when you get the new nature in Christ, that old, old nature is still there. The Bible says we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And He Himself, Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. And let me share with you two words here. You may know the definition, but I don't want to change the wording. I don't want to come up with a, with a more modern term. You need to know what these two terms are. It's the word advocate, and it's the word propitiation. The first word is the word propitiation. I want to use that one first, because propitiation is for everybody. It's, in fact, the Bible says in verse number 2, but He is a propitiation for our sins, but not for ours only, but also for the entire world. Anybody who's ever walked the face of this earth, Jesus Christ is their propitiation for their sins. What in the world does propitiation mean? It means to satisfy God's holy law. What does God's holy law say? Jesus Christ is holy. He is light. We are dark. We are sinful. Therefore, the wrath of God must be judged. It must be spread upon all over man kind because we are sinful. Sin must be judged. That's what God's law says. 
So therefore, instead of judging the entire world, instead of sending us all to hell where we deserve, Jesus came. He is the propitiation. He satisfied God's law. The wrath of God came upon Jesus and He died for all the sins of the entire world. That's the sacrificial nature of the cross. That's why my goal in life and your goal in life is absolute perfection to be just like Jesus Christ. And when we fail and we don't live up to that standard, Jesus Christ died for my failures. He's the propitiation. He is the one who satisfied God's holy law. How can a holy God uphold His own justice and still forgive sinners? The answer to that is the sacrifice on the cross. At the cross, God in His holiness judged sin. God in His love offers Jesus Christ to the entire world as Savior and as Lord. God was just in that He punished sin and He's loving and that He offers free forgiveness. Everybody all over this world, Jesus Christ died for your sins. That's what He did. That's the sacrificial nature of the cross. But not only the propitiation for our sins, but the second word is the word advocate. Now, I love this word. The word advocate. The Bible says in verse 1, If anyone sins, we... Now, we is believer. Propitiation is for everybody. Advocate are for believers. I want you to... Don't miss miss that. Advocate... It's for believers. Jesus died for all the world. So you come to Christ and, and, and you repent of your sins and, he, and you, you trust Him as your Lord and Savior. Jesus is your propitiation and He becomes your advocate. And we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now what does the word advocate mean? The word advocate means He represents us before God's throne in the Old Testament day or New Testament days. When somebody would go before the court, they'd have a lawyer right there beside them. And that lawyer would speak on behalf of that individual. And Jesus Christ, can you say, Brother John, is He our our lawyer before Jesus? Yeah, you can say that, but I'm going to show you a little nugget here. Don't don't miss this little nugget. You like nuggets? Not not chicken nuggets. I ain't talking about chicken nuggets. I'm talking about a Bible nugget. Here's Here's your Bible nugget. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 16. I want you to write this down. John 14, 16. Jesus is talking to His disciples. Remember, he is, he is about to go to the cross. John 14, it starts out, let, your hearts, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. Jesus is speaking to His disciples. His disciples are upset that He's about to leave and about to die. And you remember what Jesus said in verse 16? If I go, I will send another comforter. I will send another helper. And that word another means another of the same kind. Jesus said, the Father will send someone just like me. Now who is that? That's the Holy Spirit. What does the word Holy Spirit mean? It's the Greek word pericle. It means to call alongside. That means in your life today as a believer that you have the Holy Spirit living inside and He comes with you everywhere that you go. Come alongside And every step that you take, the Bible says, Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Every step that you take all the way to glory, the Holy Spirit is in, you are indwelt by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. He's there with you. Now you know that. Guess what word John uses in chapter 2, verse 1 for advocate. That's why I like the term lawyer. That's a good term. You know what I like even better? One who's coming alongside me. Parakletos, same word. Comes from the same root. 
as the term for the Holy Spirit. Isn't it good to know? Say, Brother John, do you believe in the Trinity? Absolutely. Here's the reason why. That today, the Holy Spirit of God is in our heart. Is Jesus going to come through that door today? Probably not, because the Bible says next time He comes, He's coming on a white horse. So more than likely not. Unless He wants to come through there on a white horse, that's okay. But His presence is here with us. His Holy Spirit. So where's Jesus at today? In human form? Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, coming alongside me. So I live my life not to sin. And if I do, the Holy Spirit convicts. Jesus Christ says, my blood paid for that. And I can be forgiven. That's why 1.9 says, if anyone confesses his sin, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Somebody has to go to the Father. Remember, he's holy. So when a believer sins, the Holy Spirit convicts and Jesus comes alongside me like a lawyer and says, I'll take care of that. So I live my life and you live your life as a Christian not to go out and to do whatever you want to because Jesus Christ will forgive you. You go out and you live just like Jesus Christ because He died on the cross and He's given you the ability now to do not as you please, but to do as He pleases. That's the sacrificial nature of the cross. Every time you sin, there ought to be a mental picture of a body on a cross. It ought to hurt us. It ought to convict us every time. God doesn't offer forgiveness so we go out and live and as we please, God offers forgiveness so we go out and live as God pleases. But then number three in the last one. Not only the sacrificial nature of the cross, spreading nature of sin, but I want to show you number three, and that's the spreading nature of salvation. The spreading nature. Sin spreads. We know that. The salvation spread. Absolutely. You grow in your walk of Christ. So look up at verse 5. This is the message that we have heard from Him and we declare it to you that God is light. So if God is light, the first one, as, as, as salvation spreads, as you give your life to Christ and, and it begins to grow, we walk in the light. That's the first one. We walk in the light. Here's the secret to victory over sin. Walk in the light. As we walk in the light, it means to be honest with God. It means to be honest with ourselves. It means to say, look, I, I'm not perfect. I have problems. I have failures in my life. I am who I am. I am absolutely honest with God. I'm honest with other people. I'm honest with myself. I am a sinner saved by the grace of God. I need His, his Spirit. I need His power. I need His grace. I need His mercy. Every single day of my life, I'm not going to, be able to avoid that. I'm not going to, to uh, deny that. I need God's grace and Spirit and forgiveness every single day of my life. Absolutely honest. So when you walk in the light, you realize, 
realize I need to stay as close to the light as I possibly can. Otherwise, I will fail. So to stay close to the light is to stay close in His Word. It's to stay on your knees in prayer. It's to be faithful in church. It's to do those things that honor and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. It means to spend time daily in His Word. Thy Word. Have I hidden my heart? And I may not sin against Christ. I don't to walk into the light, but to abide in Him as well. Walk in the light and abide in Him. John chapter 15, the whole chapter is about abiding in Christ. When you walk in the light, you are abiding. Guess what happens when you abide in Christ? It becomes about Him and not about you. When you abide in Christ, you walk out that door. It's not, well, I want to be the best that I possibly can. When you walk out those doors, you're going to say, I want to show as many people Jesus as I possibly can. Why? Because you're abiding in Him. And He shows. He is exposed. So we walk out of those doors and we say, Lord Jesus, I want to be just like You. I want to walk just like You. I want to show the whole world what You've done in my life. If I happen to fail, I've got an advocate there who is Jesus. Jesus Christ is my propitiation for all of my sins. So therefore, I want to walk as close to Jesus as I possibly can. That's the power of fellowship. That's the power of being right with God. That's the power of living in that, in that state where we know where we're at, that we're sinners apart from Jesus, but He offers His forgiveness and His grace, which is what we need every single day. So here is, here's how I want to close. When it comes to obedience to the Lord, there's three ways that we can react. When it comes to His obedience, there's three, th- three, three choices that we can do. And you can do this. You can do church attendance. You can do prayer. You can do... Um, um, uh, Bible reading, you can do witnessing, anything the Lord has told. If you love me, keep my commandments, Jesus said. So here's three ways you can react. To. Number one, you can be obedient because you have to. Because you have to. So I need to read my Bible because if I don't, I'm going to get in trouble. Maybe a child says that. Maybe there's someone here today, I just I had to come today because, you know, she just wouldn't be quiet. So I had to come to church. <laughs> you have to. And if, if, if you look at it through that lens, you become a slave. Why does a slave work? Because they have to. Their master says to. And I don't want you to look at obedience that way. You go a step further and you say, well, I need to be obedient to the Lord because I need to. Now that's not as bad. But you say, I want to do this because I need to. Moms and dads, I I need to walk with Christ because I need my kids to follow my example. Um, I want to come to church because if I don't come to church, people's going to call me. So I need to come to church today. I don't like them calling me when I'm not there. (laughs) So I need to come. I need to come and and do this or do that. And it becomes a a need. It's, It's like a job to you. Why do you have to go to work tomorrow? Do you have to? No. But you need to so you can get paid. And, and, and obedience to the Lord becomes a need. Like a job. Well, I don't want you to look through it through that lens. That's, that's not the gospel. And that, that's not the power of fellowship. Here's the third one. I want to. Why did you come to church today? I didn't have to. I didn't need to. I wanted to. 
Why do you want to pray tonight before you go to bed? Or pray when you wake up in the morning, whenever you have your prayer time. I don't have to. Nobody's twisting your arm. You may even say, I don't need to. But you want to. And when it comes to the power of fellowship, our needs and our have-tos become I want to. I want to be in fellowship with Almighty God because He has forgiven me of my sins. He's my goal in life. He's the propitiation, which means He's satisfied God's righteous judgment. He's my advocate. He is my lawyer. He is, he is the one that, is, that has come right beside me so that when I do stray, His, his uh, sacrifice on the cross has forgiven me for my sins. I want to please Him every day of my life. And I'm living this Christian life. Not for anybody in this room, neither are you. I'm not living this Christian life because of my children, or because of my wife, or because of my parents, or because of First Baptist Church, or because of the state of America, because of the state of our country, because of the state of this world. I'm living the Christian life because of one person. His name is Jesus. I want to please Him. And when you do that, as a result, you begin to affect everybody else. So it's not that you become selfish and you don't want to be around anybody. It's that when you're pleasing Him, you want to be in fellowship with other people that have the same wants. That's the power of fellowship. Let's pray. As we pray this morning, you may be lost and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. You heard the gospel this morning that Jesus Christ is the propitiation for all of our sins. He died for your sins. He gave you an opportunity to trust in Him. If you don't know Jesus today, in just a moment when we stand, I just want you to come. Just come meet me down here on the front. You say, Brother John, I need to get saved. I need to give my life to Jesus today. He'll save you today. He died for your sins. You are without excuse. He loves you. He took the wrath of God upon Him. So if you're not a believer this morning, I encourage you to come. And give your life to Jesus. Christian, what about you? This, what we just read this morning, that's for you. That's for me. The spreading nature of sin. Sin in the Christian life is so much worse than anyone can imagine. We take it to the cross where there's forgiveness. So if there's sin in your life this morning, take it to the cross. And if you say there's no sin, you know what John wrote to that today? Don't be a liar. Give it to Jesus. You have an advocate who's at the right hand of the Father today waiting to speak on your behalf. You may be a believer and there may be other decisions you need to make this morning. I just challenge you to follow the Lord's leadership on that. Lord, we love you today. Thank You, Lord, for Your Word. Thank You, Father, for the power of fellowship. Thank You, Father, that You went to the cross and You were the propitiation. You satisfied God's wrath for sin. And that in the love of God, You also became the Savior for all the world. Lord, for those who need to trust You today, may we trust You. May those come and take a step 
say, I need to give my life to Jesus. Lord, there may be those who need to come to this altar and just put some, put some sin on the altar and say, God, I just need your forgiveness. Not worried about what anybody else may think, worried about what God may think. But Lord, you'll forgive. You're faithful and just. And those who need to make other decisions, there may be those who need to join this church and may those who need to come and make their salvation public to follow Lord and believers' baptism. May we be obedient today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.